With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, hello and welcome to the Nursing It Podcast. I'm your host, David Larson, and today I will be going over a pathophysiology and pharmacology review around liver diseases, including jaundice and uh, different hepatitis. We'll also be going over disorders such as gallstones, and we'll jump into pancreatitis as well. Before I begin, I want would like to remind listeners that if you have any questions regarding past topics or want me to go over something in a future podcast, please email me at nursingandpodcast at gmail.com, and I'll make sure to address your questions. With that said, please sit back, relax, and let's jump right into a quick uh, overview of different ways that we can assess liver function. So there are four ways that we'll talk about here really quickly, and then we'll hop into different liver diseases. So basically with these liver assessments, we'll take a blood sample and we'll look at serum levels of these, uh, of these specific enzymes. And with that, we can assess different uh, degrees of damage to the liver or other parts of the body. So first off, we'll talk about AGT and AST. These are used to assess injury to liver cells. ALT is more specific to the liver. We'll also look at serum uh, bilirubin, GGT, and ALP. These help measure hepatic uh, excretory functioning. GGT is used with alcohol abuse, and this is an indication of hepatobiliary diseases. Low serum albumin and prolonged uh, prothrombin time also helps measure liver cell failures. So now that we got that all out of the way, if you want a more in-depth review of the liver, of the gallbladder, and of the pancreas, I have an entire podcast talking about um, the, the anatomy and physiology of those organs. So please feel free to take a look at that, and you'll get a lot more detail regarding these organs. Here, we're just gonna jump into the diseases, so whatever fits your fancy. First, we're gonna talk about jaundice. So jaundice is when you get a high bilirubin in the blood, leading to a yellow coloration in the skin and the deep tissue. Bilirubin can either be conjugated or unconjugated, and it is uh, it, what happens with it is it builds up with hemolysis, uh, and basically, when your red blood cells are broken down, a bilirubin is a byproduct. And if your liver isn't working properly, it's not able to be filtered and excreted, leading to the yellow coloration on the skin and the deep tissue. So there could be prehepatic causes of jaundice, which, can, which is caused by excessive hemolysis of red blood cells and caused by an increase in free unconjugated bilirubin. It could be due to intrahepatic disorders. So this would be disorders affecting the liver to remove the bilirubin from the blood or conjugate it. 
And then there's post-hepatic, which is where bile flows obstructs, is obstructed between the liver and the intestines, and this will lead to an increase in conjugated bilirubin. As mentioned prior, the assessment of liver function, including serum bilirubin, tells us a lot about the liver diseases. So let's jump right into hepatitis. Hepatitis is autoimmune infection or virus uh, mediated. So let's talk about hepatitis A slash E. This is where uh, it is mostly oral transmitted. This is where the virus will replicate in the liver and it is excreted in the bile and shed in the stool. IgM antibodies mediate this and respond after the virus sheds. So there will be an increase in IgG antivirals and you'll be able to tell that from the blood. Hepatitis B is more of a blood transmitted hepatitis. So with this you'll actually see antibodies for anti HB, um, HB uh, ant antigens, and this follows the course of the disease. There is a hepatitis vaccination, and this is for pre-exposure and post-exposure prophylaxis. Hepatitis C is also kind of a blood-borne transmission, but it's more so contaminated blood and it's the most common cause of chronic hepatitis, cirrhosis, and hepatocellular cancer. This is where the virus is genetically unstable, and it can lead to multiple genotypes and subtypes, so it can be quite hard to cure. Hepatitis D is where you'll find increasing increases in the severity of the hepatitis B virus. So this could be due to co-infection or superinfection, um, and this is diagnosed by the detection of anti-H BV antibodies in the serum. So it's like a prolonged HBV uh, uh, disorder. Now let's talk about alcohol-induced liver diseases. So this is more uh, directly related to alcohol. So alcohol is directly absorbed in the stomach and this leads to ADH's catalyzing conversion of alcohol to acetaldehydes. So what happens is you'll get an increase in, in uh, NAD slash H, which leads to an increase in lactic acid, which can lead to a decrease in liver metabolism function. You'll get a decrease in gluconeogenesis, which could lead to a person experiencing hypoglycemia. And you'll lead to an increase in the activity of MEOS and CYP-P450 enzymes, leading to an increase in susceptibility of hepatotoxic effects. Um, and it can also lead to alcoholic hepatitis, which includes an intermediate stage between fatty liver and cirrhosis. Now, fatty liver is an accumulation of fat in the hepatocytes, and this can lead to a yellow enlargement of the liver. So this could be due to alcohol or due to obesity or hypertension. So that needs to be monitored. Now let's talk about cirrhosis. Cirrhosis is an end-stage chronic liver disease, and it is caused by fibrosis replacing hepatic tissue, and this, of course, will lead to a decrease in liver function. Fibrosis will lead to disrupted vascular channels and biliary ducts, leading to portal hypertension, 
biostasis, and liver uh, failure. Portal hypertension will lead to ascites, esophageal varices, monomegaly, and hemorrhoids. And you can see a lot of that with right-sided heart failure as well. So with this uh, cirrhosis, the goal is to treat it and decrease scar formation. And most of the time, a liver transplant may be needed if this gets very serious. Because cirrhosis can lead to liver failure. And there are quite a few manifestations of liver failure. Because the liver does 500 different things for the body. It's a very, very versatile organ. It's a very important organ. So one of the manifestations of liver failure, uh, which is basically happens when you lose 80 to 90% of liver function, is you can have hematologic disorders such as anemia, leukopenia, and coagulation defects. You can have endocrine disorders such as disturbance of gonadal sex hormone function. You can have skin disorders such as vascular spider veins, uh, telangiotitis, uh, and, and all, the, all that comes with that. You can have hepatorenal syndrome, where you get progressive azolemia, increase of serum creatinine, or oligoria. And one of the scariest here is hepatic encephalopathy because, due to the increase of ammonium in the body. And of course, ammonium is a neurotoxic agent. It'll lead to confusion, coma, and convulsions. So the treatment of this is most likely a liver transplant. And you're going to have to correct the fluid imbalances. Uh, you're going to have to lower the ammonium. And you're going to have to really do a lot of patient education around decreasing alcohol consumption and most likely talk about lifestyle changes around diet, exercise, and the like of that. The last thing we're talking about of a liver disorder is liver cancers. So these are considered hepatocellular carcinomas, and these arise from liver cells. And risk factors can include things like alpha toxins, arsenic, which is found in contaminated water, uh, alcohol consumption, or if you have hepatitis B or C viruses. So it needs to be really, really considered. Now let's talk about disorders of the biliary system. So this is the gallbladder. And we'll jump right into gallstones, also known as uh, cholelithiasis. So this is caused by the abnormal composition of bile. And this is going to lead and caused by uh, an increase in cholesterol. And this is mostly found with obese patients or if someone is experiencing rapid weight loss. This abnormal composition of bile, uh, as well as the stasis of bile, can lead to the formation of gallstones. Now, gallstones can lead to cholecystitis, lead to inflammation of the gallbladder, or cholangitis, the inflammation of the common bile duct. And signs and symptoms of this includes the Carcot triad, which includes fever, jaundice, and severe right upper quadrant pain. Superative, which is where you get uh, pus in the bile ducts, where you also experience the Charcot triad and hypotension and confusion, but you'll also experience pruritus and dark urine and light colored stool, as bile and cholesterol is not getting into the intestinal tract, and normally that colors a little bit of the urine and the stool. So, something to consider. 
most of the time, these gallstones need to be removed um, quite invasively, or a cholecystectomy will have to be performed to remove the cholecyst, aka the gallbladder. Now, the final thing we're going to talk about is disorders of the pancreas. So this is going to be including acute pancreatitis. So this is where you're going to get elevated serum amylase and lipase. And the cause of this is sometimes due to gallstones, but more often hyperlipidemia, parathyroidism, alcoholism, and abdominal trauma, or uh, using too much steroid drug use. And a clinical manifestation of pericarditis is cyanosis, dyspnea, decrease in bowel sounds, you can have fever, you get a discoloration of the abdominal wall, which is called Turner or Cullen signs, and you also have um, hypotension and tachycardia. So a Turner sign is where you get kind of bruising of flanks between the last rib and the top of the hip, and a Cullen sign is more bruising and edema around the umbilicus. Now, acute per 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 pancreatitis can eventually lead to chronic pancreatitis, where you'll get chronic calcification or obstruction. And eventually, this can lead to pancreatic cancer. Sometimes the cause of this is unknown, but it is seen that smoking will increase the risk. And also, diet will increase the risk of it as well, such as having a high caloric intake, high intake of fat, meats, salts, and dehydrated foods, fried foods, or refined sugar, and for whatever reason, soy greens as well. And with that, that is the end of this episode. Next episode, we'll be going over some intracranial regulation. So this is going to be including talking about brain injuries and talking about things like your intracellular pressure, brain hemorrhaging, cerebral edema, and the likes of that. So it should be a pretty cool episode, I think. As always, you can contact me at nursingpodcast at gmail.com, and I'll make sure to try to take the time to answer any of your hard-hitting questions. I hope you all had as much fun listening to this podcast as I had making it, and I wish you all a happy rest of your day. Until next time, I'm David Larson. I look forward to talking with you all soon. Take care now. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.